0: This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. It's great to see you today and to be a part of this gathering together. Uh, I got to say, I can hardly see you with the lights down, but I can see you out there somewhere. It's great to be together, and uh, I'm excited to jump into our series, if you're new or visiting with us, we are exploring the power of prayer as a community, and uh, I'm excited to dive in. In fact, prayer is really kind of our, our project this fall. It's kind of our, our fall kickoff, and it's very intentional. In fact, um, you've probably heard me say this, but if you're new or visiting, uh, we really, as a leadership at Bridgeway, are leaning into what we're calling Uh, our 10-year vision, and we believe that God has given us this vision to really lead the church in two areas, area of discipleship uh, and our area of service. And by discipleship, I just mean being a student of Jesus. So prayer is something that Jesus did a lot of, and we're trying to learn this way, this path of following him. And then we want to couple that with not only learning about prayer, but then actually serving and doing the type of things that Jesus did. Jesus was an incredible servant. He put a towel over his arm and washed his disciples' feet. He was always looking for the broken and the lost and the hurting and, and really gathering them in and trying to offer compassion and healing. And so that's what we want to be about as well at Bridgeway. Uh, but our topic right now is prayer. And I got to say too, if you, if you weren't here last week, uh, you missed a great one. In fact, uh, my, my hat goes off to Pastor Justin. Uh, he gave just a really clear and practical message on how you can rejoice always and pray continually. And if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go uh, on our app. You can listen to it on our podcast. You can also go on YouTube and you can watch it there. But just really, really good, good stuff. So talking about prayer, it's, it's kind of interesting when you, you know, when you think about prayer and spirituality, these are, are subjects that are, are just everywhere in our culture today. In fact, if you look hard enough, you see it all over the place. And so prayer is kind of a, it's kind of a unique conversation to begin because I got to be honest with you in saying that prayer is not really an exclusive thing to the Christian faith. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's probably a lot of faith traditions that pray more than we do, Right? And it's not even a faith thing. In fact, prayer is sort of just a thing thing, right? I mean, people who are not even religious seem to pray, right? I mean, I watch enough TV, you, you see a sports figure, or celebrity, and what happens when they win the championship? They're, they're all about praising and praying to God, right? In fact, uh, I can tell you, even the most irreligious of people pray, right? I mean, person going down the road late at night... <laughs> And a cop pulls up behind them, and they see those flashing lights. Oh, they become a person of prayer really quickly, don't they? And so there's something about prayer that kind of just draws us in and gives us this opportunity. Maybe you've been a part of events where prayers have sort of been ceremonial, right? You've been at an event, and someone's prayed. You've been here this morning, and we've had a few prayers offered. Maybe you've been at birthday parties, and someone's prayed. And all of that is well and good and has its place, but what I'm after in this series is something a little bit deeper. I'm after something that's a little bit more than a wink and a nod at the tradition of prayer. What I'm actually after is I want something that's real. I don't know how your spiritual life works, but the way mine works is it has to be real. I need something that fuels my soul. And so, what I'm after is what I want to talk about today, and I want to try to answer just one question this morning, and it might be the most important question about prayer, and it's this. How, how, do I, how do I meet with God? Like, really meet with God? And what I want to do this morning is in some way convince you that you have to go beyond just believing in God or believing in prayer to an actual real encounter where you meet with God. In fact, I've kind of just learned in my life that the cut and dry prayers just, they don't cut it, right? I mean, I just, I'm not into the, you know, God bless my burgers and fries, you know? It's just, it doesn't work. In fact, I was a kid, I grew up in my home, and and the prayer we would say around the table every day is we would hold hands, and and we we would pray, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat, right? And, uh, there's nothing wrong with that but I, I want something more in the way in which my spiritual life is designed to work i want something that's effective and durable and intentional and it requires this this real encounter with god so if you have got a bible this morning i'd love for you to turn to the book of genesis we're going to be in chapter 32 you can grab a bible in the seat pocket in front of you genesis is the first book of the bible it's like bible quiz sunday it's the easiest book to find and uh, chapter 32 is where we're going to be because I'm reading through this Old Testament. and Everywhere I turn, it seems like these characters have like real encounters. So a couple weeks ago, if you were here, we read about Abraham. And Abraham has not only a real encounter, it's a, it's a complete surprise. He's sitting in his tent and knock, 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 in comes God. He has God come into his tent and he entertains the Lord and a couple of his angels and it seems like it's just a real encounter. Now, today, you're going to meet another person. He's a little further down the line from Abraham. It's a guy named Jacob. And he, too, sort of by surprise, has a real encounter with God. If you got your Bibles open to Genesis 32, in my Bible, at least, there's a little heading above that. And it says, Jacob wrestles with God. Now, that's not actually in the scriptures. That's just something that the writers, translators of the Bible, added to make it easier for you and I to find. So we know, spoiler alert, that Jacob is going to wrestle with God in this text. I love this story. But Jacob doesn't know that. And you have to keep that in front of your mind as you read this. Jacob has no idea he's about to go to the mat with God. And I'll also say something uh, about this text because I keep real careful notes on, on what I've preached over the years. And, And this morning is actually a little bit of a confession from your pastor, because uh, in 20 years, I think I've taught this twice, and I'm going to go on record and say that when I taught it before, I think I taught it wrong. (laughs) And so this morning, I'm kind of just being the first to admit uh, that there's something deeper in this that I feel God has uncovered for me, and I want to give you the answer as to how I really meet with God. And Jacob shows us the way. So, hopefully you found it. We're also going to celebrate communion today. If you're new to Bridgeway, if that's a new thing, or if maybe you come from a tradition that calls it the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, I'll give you some uh, directions at the end of my message. uh, But we'd love to have you celebrate that with us as well. So, Genesis chapter 32, diving right in to verse 22. It says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across, he sent over all of his possessions. Now, let me just pause right there for a moment. I haven't given you any background on this story, and I did that intentionally because I wanted these two verses to kind of give you and frame a picture for you of who Jacob is. And if you don't know the backstory on Jacob, these first verses could make it sound like Jacob is, is what? I mean, he kind of looks like he's a success, right? I mean, it says he's got two wives. That seems awfully confusing, right? And two female servants. That seems even more awkward. And 11 sons. That's a lot of food, right? You go admire that's a lot of food in the grocery cart. And then he's got like this tribe with him, right? It's a big family by the looks of it. He looks like a success. In fact, he's got possessions, so much so that he, he must have servants that are taking the possessions across the river for him. An outward appearance, it looks like he's, I don't know, what would we call him today? Kind of a self-made man. He's got it all figured out. But if you know the backstory on Jacob, it's actually just the opposite. He's, he's a con man. He's a great con artist. In fact, everything he's come to including his wife, including most of his possessions, he's gotten through deception. He's deceived, lied, cheated. He's done whatever it's ta- it takes to get as much as he could possibly put his hands on. In fact, he, uh, he deceived his, his uncle Laban. <laughs> he deceived his father Isaac. And then maybe most grievously, he, he cheated and stole from his twin brother Esau. He stole from Esau both Esau's birthright and his blessing. And I know we're modern people. You can go back, read through the text, and you can read these two accounts of of how he stole this birthright and this blessing. And and you might read it as a modern person and say, ah, big deal. I mean, no big deal, right? But in that day, in that context, birthright, blessing, that was everything. That That was your identity, and that was your inheritance. And Jacob deceived, stole, connived from Esau Everything. And they're about to meet up. In fact, in the next chapter, we're not going to read it today, but Esau and Jacob meet. They're on this collision course. And so you need to know that this is kind of going on in the back of Jacob's mind. Oh no, I've stolen from my brother, and now I've got to meet him. In fact, that's why he sends his wife and his possessions all across the river. And Esau, you got to know, he's just not the kind of guy you want to mess with. I mean, Esau, his brother, he's a He's a man's man, right? I mean, he's, he's a hunter, and he believes in gun ownership, right? He's got a Cabela's magazine. He drives an F-150, and Jacob, or Esau probably listens to Ted Nugent. That's kind of how I picture him. Like, I just, that's just him. And Jacob is not like that at all. Jacob is this very different guy. He's kind of a homebody. He's got smooth skin, likes to work in the kitchen. Nothing wrong with that. He listens to Taylor Swift most of the time, right? <laughs> Two very different cats. And they're about to meet. And this is all going on inside of Jacob's mind. I've got to figure this out. I, I've got to use the conniving, deceptive skills that I have to get me out of this jam. Watch what happens next, picking up in verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Here's a wrestling match. because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place, Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. I love this story. In fact, what I love about it is it's, it's real, right? It's a real encounter, and it's real wrestling. I am a huge wrestling fan. If you don't know that about me, I, I love wrestling. But I'm talking real wrestling, not like Hulk Hogan and WWF or whatever it is. Like, I'm into the real stuff. So grappling and folk style and freestyle and, and even jiu And I think this looks more like mixed martial arts happening between Jacob and who we find out is actually the man which is God. And this is about as real as it could ever be, wrestling with God. And this is where I, I just want to give my confession. And I, I think not only me as a pastor, but most pastors, if we're honest, when we've talked to you about coming to God, this is what we've gotten wrong. Because I know how we work as pastors. We, we tell you, right? You know, we tell you, if, you, if you're going to have a quiet time with God, well, then what? you got to get... You gotta get really quiet, church, right? I mean, you gotta get in your, you know, real quiet space, and you need to take some deep monk like breaths, right? And, you know, be sipping your herbal tea, wearing your Birkenstocks. And this is what we've gotten wrong. Because is that at all what happens to Jacob when Jacob meets with God? Not at all. I mean, that doesn't look anything like that. I mean, Jacob's quiet time is this intense, uh, incredible wrestling match with God. I mean, there's nothing tame about this. I mean, they go, they go, like, literally ear to ear, and this becomes a wrestling match, right? I mean, this is aggressive, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) Jacob's hip gets wrenched. I mean, the guy's got a limp for the rest of his life, needs PT, could be on crutches. I mean, he needs some modern medicine, right? I mean, that's how his encounter with God goes. And I just got to ask you this morning, when you come to the topic of prayer, is this how you come before God? Like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrestle with God on this issue. Like, I'm not letting, God, letting go of God until this match is over. One of us are tapping out in this match. Or do you approach prayer more, I don't know, maybe more tame? Have you maybe kind of bought into, well, you know, prayer's got to be comfortable, Prayer's got to be safe. It's got to be sanitized. See, this is where I think we begin to uncover what this real spiritual encounter can look like with God. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you just a few ways in which I see God working in Jacob's life in this story. And it starts like this. I think the first thing you have to do if you want a real encounter with God is you must meet God alone. That's kind of basic. It's kind of given in this text. but, But do you see how profound this is to Jacob? I mean, he's entirely alone. I mean, this is mano Imano. mano. He, he, he doesn't have his tribe, doesn't have his family with him. I mean, can you imagine what this match would look like if, if Jake's got like his 11 boys behind him? It's like, oh, bring it on, man. Come on, let's go, right? He doesn't have that. He is alone. Doesn't have any help. Doesn't have any of his possessions. He's sent everything across that stream. When you come before God, do you approach him with this solitude, this aloneness? I, I've been thinking all week of what the word is to describe this, but but maybe the best word is, is desperate. I mean, is God all that you've really got? Or do you have comforts? I and mean, I was thinking this week, like, what would that look like for us to be truly alone with God? I don't know. I, modernize this for me, with me, right? Like, no Netflix, right? Nope, sent that across the river. No Amazon Prime. What am I going to do? Like, I can't, I can't wait more than two days. I got to go to the store and buy. Nope, you got to just have your quiet time. Don't worry about Amazon Prime. Well, what about my phone? Nope, that went across the river. I'm going to lose all my, my snap streaks. You know, what's going to happen? You know, alone with God. Are you okay with that? Are you desperate enough for what you need from God to be willing to go there? I think this raises all sorts of implications about, I guess, what it really means to be alone, to kind of have God be your all and all. And I was thinking about this all week. Like, maybe maybe the first thing we just got to be honest about, that if we're Really, truly wanting to meet with God, then I guess I would say that you know Sunday is not enough. I mean, Sunday this time it's it's special, it's great. I love being together. I love being with you. I just like I just like church. I like being with people who love the Lord and singing and worship. I love doing all that. But but if that is the extent, if that is your diet of how you connect with God, then I, I'm here to tell you that it will never be enough. And see, I think this is again. These are these implications about. About what we've kind of bought into in what spirituality is to look like. And maybe even in the church in some ways, we've sort of said, well, you know, no, no, it's all about Sunday. You gotta be here, you gotta be counted. And and we've elevated the experience of church over elevating the experience of every moment that you could be spending with God. And again, don't get me wrong, I, I think this is very important and powerful and needed. There's a there's a kind of a social community aspect to this that is also very biblical. In fact, Pastor Mike is right up front here, and he's working so hard to get our people connected and doing life together, and, and that really is part of this, but you also must meet with God alone. I think that when I begin to meet with God alone, my, my life starts to align. I've had this phrase for years where I've said that there's actually probably three versions of me, right? I mean, I don't know. It's not split personality, but there's probably three versions of me. There's there's the me that you think I am, and there's the me that I think I am. And then there's the me that God knows who I am. And only when I spend time with God, only when I'm, when I'm okay with being desperate and needy and alone with him, do those three ever align. That's the only chance I have of being this integral person that God's called me to be. So you must meet with him alone. Second implication from all of this is this requires, it requires some, I don't know, self-accountability. Because, again, if you're going to be alone with God, who's checking up on you, right? Like, I mean, who's actually checking up on you? And that's what's strange. Like, in a church context, there's there's actually a bit of a social contract that we've created. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we've we've created a contract. You're you're here, and because of that, you're actually accountable to this group and this family. And if you're here for any length of time, people get to recognize you. And then when you're not here, that's that social contract. They're like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Where have Where you been? Or they pick up the phone or they text and they check in with you. Or if you're in a small group, then, you know, that person's maybe even a little bit closer to your life. And you're like, hey, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. There's, there's a contract that's created that's good. <laughs> but the idea of being alone with God means there is no contract other than between you and your Lord. You have to have a, an essence, a level of, of self-accountability. And I think this is where sometimes I, I feel like a parent, because, um, you know, I've said before, I've raised all my babies, and last week I loved watching Justin's message because he had this super cute introduction where he had his little one, his one-year-old Abram, and he's got Abram on the screen, and Abram's just so cute. In fact, Abram's got like the same hairstyle as I have, so I just, I love that kid, and, and my babies are all grown, and I'm realizing that, you know, when they were little like that, I could just kind of bring them along, not only in life, but in their spiritual lives as well, and and there was an accountability there as their parent, but my, my babies are all grown, and, and now it's harder to kind of have any sense of control. They've, they've got to actually, my kids, have got to actually figure out how to be self-accountable in their relationship. In fact, um, last week I wasn't here because uh, I was down in San Antonio catching up with two of my military kids, and uh, it was just really a, a special and fun time. Uh, it's my daughter in the middle there, Aislinn, and she is a Airman A1C, and my son, the newly graduated Bryson, he is an airman, so she actually outranks him. She likes to tell him that, that she actually has a higher rank than him, but uh, it was great to just be there with them, to spend time with them, and, uh, and really to kind of get beneath just, hey, how was training, and how was basic, and we haven't talked to you in eight weeks, but, but to begin to kind of pull back the, f- the fabric, the onion that is their spiritual lives, and, and see how they're connecting, and how they're having to kind of find their church to plug into they're they're no longer reliant on their parents faith they've got to develop that on their own and it was really cool because the the graduation ceremonies had these uh, very formal prayers that they offered at the beginning and i don't remember this when my daughter graduated a year ago but they had a wednesday ceremony and a thursday ceremony and both of them opened in prayer and i'm i'm like a pastor i'm like hey i gotta pay attention to this they're praying it's our government this is great stuff and And, of course, the chaplain gets up to the podium, and he just gives this incredible prayer. But it was what he said before it that really caught my attention. And he said, I'm going to pray in my tradition. I think he was Christian. I couldn't quite tell, but he used enough language that made me think he was Christian. And then he said, but you must pray in your tradition. And that just immediately proved my point. There's one God, and you ultimately would be accountable to the ways in which You connect to him. That's the first step. You must be alone. But with Jacob, it takes way more than that. In fact, if you want a real encounter with God, it takes this second thought. It takes what Jacob actually did. And here's my point: you must wrestle fiercely with God. I mean, like fiercely wrestle with God. In our household, as I've said, wrestling is is kind of a big deal. All my boys have wrestled and. I'd love being a part of that and just seeing them kind of grow and develop. And, and just to know, if you've never had any experience with wrestling, it's one of the most uh, exhausting and grueling sports. It's only a maximum of six minutes. That's as long as a contest would go. But that's like running a six-minute mile while at the same time trying to hold and pin down and take down somebody who's exactly your weight. So it's like trying to run a six-minute mile with someone on your back that weighs as much as you. It's just exhausting. And, and you win some, and you lose some, as my boys have found out. But you, you wrestle to win. And that's what I love about Jacob. Jacob is actually, he's wrestling to win this match. I mean, he's not just in this to be like, ah, oh, flop around on the mat until I get what I want from God. He's actually wrestling as if he can win it. And it's weird. He's kind of like in the contest at the same time. He's, he's sort of in it, but then he gets injured, right? I mean, He's got God in a spot where God is sort of like tapped out. In fact, verse 26 is my favorite in the story where the man who is God, notice the order here, it's the man that screams out let me go. That's God. I mean, Jacob's got him in some weird move. He's choking him out on the mat and, and God is like tapping out in this moment. And this is after the point where he's already had his hip wrenched out of socket. So can you imagine this? I mean, he's He's wrestling with God, he's wrestling injured. He's been injured in the match and he's still coming at God. I gotta tell you, this is so convicting to me as to how I pray. Do you keep praying, do you keep pressing in despite how you feel, despite "Ah, I'm having a bad day, I don't really feel like praying today or maybe you're sick or you're injured, whatever it is. Do you press through and keep wrestling with God I love it. In verse 26, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me, right? He's like, we're going to the finish line on this one. And for Jacob, that blessing was all about, uh, that win for him was all about being blessed. And if you read his backstory, that's really what he's been missing. His whole life has been a void of his blessing, of God blessing him, of his father blessing him. He's never heard those words. And for him, that's that's his prayer, that's his win. I will not let you go until you bless me. What is that for you this morning? What, what is your prayer? What is your win in prayer? I mean, what is it that you won't let go of God from until he answers for you? Maybe it is blessing. Maybe you grew up in a home, you never heard those words. Maybe you didn't have a father figure in your life. Maybe you've heard those words, but for you, the win in your prayer time would be, would be something deeper. It may be something of purpose. Maybe it'd be an addiction or a struggle that you're going through. Maybe it'd be something relational. You're going through a tough time in your marriage or a tough time with your kids. And and this morning, I want to challenge you. Are you wrestling with God? Are you holding on, not letting go of him until you answer me, God? That's the way in which Jacob approaches this prayer. I loved what Justin said last week, too, about how when we pray, we really pray the most when we're desperate. You know, when we're desperate times cause for desperate measures and... Have you felt that? Have you felt that weight of God pressing into you? I know I have at times, and I'm not even really much of what I would call a feeler, but I've felt that weight of God in in times of struggle, in times of desperation. In fact, I just came up on a one-year anniversary personally for me of, uh, of the heart attack I had a year ago, or as I like to call it, a very minor, very small, insignificant heart incident. That's what I like to refer to it as. My cardiologist doesn't refer to it as that, but... You know, it's, it's kind of been one of those things that I've, I've wrestled with God. I mean, why? why? Why me? And I've worked so hard to kind of prepare and, and have a life that's durable and prevent something like heart disease. And and yet this has been my wrestle. This has been the thing I've had to deal with God on. And it's, it's marked me. It's left me with my my limp, so to speak, of what I've had to deal with. And it's put me in this risk category that I don't always like, and it limits some of the things that I like to do. But I would also tell you that it's been the thing that has drawn me the closest to God in my time of prayer, of just wrestling and not letting go with him. As I said at the start of this series, this is personal in the sense that I've been trying to relearn what prayer means, and trying to come to God like a child, just crawl up into my father's lap and, and lean in to him. And that's why I love this series, and I love that we're doing this as a whole church. So our, our youth group, middle school and high school kids are doing this during the week, and then on Sunday right now, our J seekers, our kids back in the other room, they're learning about prayer as well. And I'd heard about an activity that they started in the first week, uh, their prayer wall. And so I went back through this week and I spent about an hour, I read through every one of the sticky notes that they put on the board, the two boards back there. And I just, I went through them and I, I just found myself just praying for them, praying for these kids. And some of them, you know, depending on the age, there were a few words I couldn't read. I'm just saying, like I just couldn't, couldn't make them out. Some of them, they weren't even words. They were like, stick figures and I'm like Lord bless the stick figure I'm not sure what the kid means in this case but it means something to them and then others you could see there was just a level of realness to them some kids were praying for their you know their their friends and their needs what did it like it rained like nine days in a row while I was gone and I think one kid was frustrated he's he's like no more indoor recess that was his prayer I I get it man get outside enjoy the day right and as the kids were praying for those things and praying for their dogs and praying for their cats, I let that one go, but, uh, you know, real things too, like sick grandparents and divorce on the home front and hurricane victims and one that just said Ukraine, and I just thought, man, these kids are, they're really getting it, they're, they're, they're spending their time on what matters and bringing that before, before God. They're wrestling in their own little ways, in their own little faith, and it's so, so Good last thought not only do you have to come to god alone not only do you have to wrestle god fiercely to the mat but i think it takes this area of just being vulnerable and saying you know what i'm going to embrace the weakness that i have are you willing to embrace your weakness maybe it's your imperfection maybe this morning we're in a church and you're just honest with yourself for a few moments and maybe maybe that embracing maybe that weakness it's it's just a time of confession Just saying, you know, I I know I've fallen short in these areas. And you just spend some time just coming before God, just confessing and embracing and and being okay. That if you're going to be marked, if you're going to be close encounters with God, you're you're going to have to limp. You're going to have to be okay with that. You know, I love this story because I said I, I love wrestling. And wrestling to me is so clear. There's a winner, somebody gets his hand raised. And there's a loser, somebody walks off the mat who didn't win. But I can't figure this story out. In fact, I can't figure it out because it seems like Jacob wins, because he gets blessed, but then it also seems like he really loses. He's got this this bad hip from here on out. And I think this is actually a a beautiful picture of what communion truly is. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as they're joining me on the stage and about to play with us, I I want to tell you that I think there's something else going on in this story. That not only does Jacob kind of have a win-lose moment, but I actually think God loses in this moment, too. I know that sounds, sounds strange. Don't kick me out of the church for saying that. But think about it. I mean, what is wrestling? Wrestling is, is an evenly matched contest. And I don't know, you take two people, you put them in the same weight class, and you see who's better, and, and yet that doesn't seem to be the case, right? I mean, what's Jacob? Jacob's a, I don't know, average-sized guy. Maybe he's 175 pounds. <laughs> but what about God? What does God weigh? You got a scale that measures omnipotence, And see, here's the thing that hit me. I think the only way this works is if God chooses to be weak. If God actually play wrestles with Jacob and allows himself to be weak in order for Jacob to actually win. And in communion, God actually does that. He sends his son Jesus, who voluntarily chose to be weak, to offer you forgiveness, to offer you salvation. Think about it. Jesus allowed himself to be spit on. And beaten. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. All so that you would have the ultimate victory, the victory over death, and the victory of salvation. And that's what I want you to think about as you come to the tables this morning for communion. If you're new to Bridgeway, you don't have to be a member of our church to celebrate in communion, but you do have to be a member of God's family. You have to receive Jesus into your heart. If you have, you're welcome to come during this next song up to the tables. There are two in the front, there are two in the back of the room. On them, you'll find the elements which are prepackaged. You can take that back to your seat. And when you're ready, you can take up those elements. They contain the bread, which is the body of Jesus, and the juice, which represents his blood, which was poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And then after you've taken those elements, we'd invite you to stand and to sing and to join in worship with us. So let me pray for us here. If you would bow your heads, please. God, I'm so thankful that we have a faith that is real because we have a God that is real, intimately real, so real, so close that you're willing to come down, to come down as our Savior, Jesus, and to wrestle with us. God, we invite you into those deep places. They may not be comfortable, but you never said that it would be. So Lord, have your way with us this morning. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what Jesus did in coming in weakness to be the ultimate victory salvation God we take up these elements and we remember what you have done and we look forward to the time again that we will see you as believers in eternity We're going to give you all of our praise and all of our worship in your name we pray amen thanks for listening to our podcast today check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the sermon discussion guide